podcast where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, a stress reduction coach who's all about helping you significantly reduce your stress so that you can actually enjoy your daily life. Now, this week on the podcast, we have an incredible interview for you. But first, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, ATB knows that being an entrepreneur and a business owner has its challenges, including finding time to get the help you need, and that's why they've created their ATB Entrepreneur Centers in Edmonton, Calgary, Grand Prairie, and Lethbridge. With uh, new pop-up locations each month, ATB is bringing their 360-degree entrepreneur support services to you. So whether you're building, dreaming, or growing, you can access a powerful set of tools to help your business and personal finances grow together. So you can visit the atbentrepreneurcenter.com to learn more and find out where they're popping up next. I've actually used the ATB Entrepreneur Center a number of times. You can, if you're an ATB client, you can get a lot of support there and have your questions answered and meet with an with an entrepreneur strategist. Like it's really beneficial. They also do a ton of free workshops. I I couldn't recommend it more. Uh, my experience with ATB has been super positive so far. So I would uh, check out check it out again atb.com or atbentrepreneurcenter.com. Now, the Alberta Podcast Network has a number of podcasts that I think you would find very interesting, all kinds of topics that we cover. But you know what? Sometimes it's better to hear directly from the podcaster themselves. So here to take it away is the Read Along Podcast. You know, I love books and I would like to join a book club, but uh, it seems like such a big commitment. Why is that? Reading a whole book in a month, that takes a lot of time. Well, what if it was only one chapter, say, a week? Organizing to meet up with people is a lot of work. Well, what if it was only half an hour whenever it worked for you? That would be great. The Read Along. It's a mini book club for your ears. Join my wife, Anita. And my husband, Scott. On a weekly journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts can be found. Okay, so this week on the podcast, I am joined by one of the sweetest women and most badass entrepreneurs that you'll ever meet. Mickey Much and I went through the ATBX Entrepreneur Program together, Uh, but to be honest, she was well on her way to making sales and serving her customers. Mickey runs the Olfactory Shop, where they make beautifully handcrafted natural fragrances, and believe you me, they are incredible. I have a number of them in my home already. I always loved when Mickey would bring in samples and suddenly our workspace smelled so dang good. Now, in digging into Mickey's LinkedIn profile, however, I noticed what a varied uh, both education and work history she's had. From working with the World Food Program to banking, from a charitable tech company to starting her own business... Mickey's been on quite a journey, and we talk about the actual common thread that goes throughout these various different career moves and why she doesn't regret any of those steps. We dive into the money lessons that she's learned and how many women really struggle to feel confident in their finances. We also talk about how you know when it's the right time, right move to become an entrepreneur, even if there is no such thing as the right time. So I absolutely adored this conversation with Mickey and I learned so much and I know that you will too. So without further ado, let's head into the interview. Well, thank you so much, Mickey, for joining the podcast. I'm so pleased to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. So as I said in the intro, you and I met through ATBX and uh, through your incredible company, The Old Factory Shop, and we will get to that. 
But I kind of want to start at the beginning because when I was perusing your LinkedIn page, there's so much I didn't <laughs> realize about you, including like you're way back in undergrad, like you have this Bachelor of Re Renewable Resource Management. Like, where did that come from? What was your goal with that? <laughs> That's a great question. So, yeah, my LinkedIn profile might seem like kind of crazy. Um, and where it came from is I never excelled in school. I always thought that I was stupid. I didn't really have confidence in academics. And even now as an adult, when people look back on high school, they often say, oh, it was so easy to get good grades. And I never felt that way. And I still don't feel that way when I'm learning new things. And my parents, I come from a farm family. My parents didn't really push a lot of academics on us. Um, and they never really pushed university especially. So when I mentioned that I wanted to go to university, my parents were more like, okay, why don't you do a trade instead? It's a little bit more applicable. Yeah, I think I'm the only one of my friends where their parents was like, we're trying to talk them out of going yeah, to yeah. university. But I definitely, I know where they're coming from. And my parents were also hands-off people. They wanted us to make our own mistakes, to learn our own lessons. So I did take their advice. I went to trade school. I went into hair. Um, so I learned how to cut hair, dye hair, do perms, all that jazz. Absolutely hated it. And then I decided, okay, I definitely want to go to university now. But I had taken a lot of arts. I went to um, unique high school in Saskatoon. And I really focused on photography and graphic design. Um, so I was missing a lot of the sciences and math that I needed to get into a science program at university. So I went back to school. I upgraded my high school programs or classes that I needed. I got into the College of Agriculture because I saw someone speak about soil science and how you can really change the world with soil science um, anywhere in the world. And it really spoke to me. And I decided I want to do something that can impact other people. So that's what I did. And I think my entire goal through getting a degree was choose something that I can get through because I knew that academics weren't my strong suit. I knew that I really struggle with math, that arts came a little bit more naturally to me. So I needed to choose something that I could manage and that I could achieve. So I was actually surprised when my graduation day came and I graduated university. I can still remember that was one of the best days of my life. And that kind of caught me off guard. I didn't realize that it meant so much to me until it came. But I was really proud of myself for, you know, doing this thing that I never thought that I could really do. And my goal with doing renewable resource management was never career oriented. I'm not a type A person. I'm not a strong planner. I'm very intuitive. So I knew that I was deeply interested in the courses that were presented in that program. And that's why I went with it. And that's also why my LinkedIn is kind of all over the map. The <laughs> jobs that I've had don't, to the naked eye, seem like they connect, but they really do. And it's because I just kind of, I do the things that speak to me intuitively. And I don't plan my life too extremely heavily. I think, so I hope that answered your question. I think it's really interesting because like, there's so much emphasis nowadays on like, you have to have the degree that matches the career that you want to have. And I just don't think mm -hmm. that's realistic in our like gig economy. And I mean, mm -hmm. in, in the UK, it's pretty different. Because I remember my cousin, like he, he always said that 
people just care that you have a degree and that you show that you can learn and it doesn't like it doesn't really matter what it's in like he has a degree in geology and he's in finance but geology was what fascinated him and then he moved into that sort of corporate world but like it's it it, it really is interesting where people put the emphasis on right like is it the content matter is it that you can learn is it all those things so i think it's a really interesting choice of yours for sure I also think like looking back, university is a really stressful time. And wouldn't it be nice if you're, you have a career at the end of all of this, and you can pay those student loans and those bills. Um, I think that's where a lot of it comes from is young 20 year olds with uh, wishful thinking being like, you know, this is how it's going to happen. And you got to shoot for something. So I don't think there's anything wrong with you know, wanting a specific career at the end of that tunnel. But you're right, it totally just doesn't work that way in the 3D realm. Because I graduated from a marketing program and one person that I know who I graduated with is doing marketing. Mm-hmm. Like one, one out of all of them. And we all ended up doing different things, but in the business world for the most part. So yeah, mm-hmm. you, most people never do exactly what they trained for. But yeah, exactly. How did you end up as an intern with the World Food Program? My now husband was working for a management consulting firm in Toronto during the last semester of my degree. And these opportunities came up with his company where you could go work in Rome for a certain amount of time. And he asked me, hey, should I do this? And we were already doing long distance. He lived in Toronto. I lived in Saskatchewan at the time. And I just thought, yes, I can do all my last semester of courses online. They were all electives, so I could just choose whatever. So I was like, yes, do that. I'll meet you there. (laughs) We'll figure something out. So he did. He went there a couple months ahead of me. I joined after. And then when I got there, I was looking into, you know, agricultural organizations and things like that. And it turns out that Rome is headquarters for a lot of United Nations programs. And that's what the World Food Program is. So I started knocking on their door. And I also um, had my um, husband, Andrew, kind of ask at his job, like where, um, if there's anyone that I could connect with and things like this. So I, uh, through a little bit of that sleuthing, I came across a manager in the disaster risk department and I contacted them, asked them like, Hey, I studied this in university. I'm just here for a semester. Do you need an intern? I'm already here. (laughs) Uh, He replied very coolly, like, you know, we're not really interested, but you can come, come down to the office and we'll have a coffee. (laughs) So I get a coffee with him and he starts asking me like, why aren't you at the, he starts listing off all these other organizations in town that seem to him to be more applicable to my degree. So why are you calling us up? Why aren't you over here? Why aren't you over there? Haven't you talked to this group? It sounded like I was just annoying him and he really wanted to get rid of me. Um, (laughs) But I told him like why I really wanted to work with the World Food Program. I'm really interested in hunger. I was really interested in soil more than anything. Um, And then a few days later, after I go home and I'm beating myself up, being like, I am so stupid. Why did I call this man up out of the blue and do this? He thinks I'm an idiot. You know, all those great things we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
he calls me up and he's like, hey, we would love to have an intern on the team. Everyone needs an intern. So come on in. <laughs> so I started with them and it was such a great opportunity. I met the most amazing people that are like highly passionate about this field and solving world hunger. And, you know, it's it's something I couldn't have an experience I couldn't have gotten elsewhere. Yeah. And I mean, you were working in terms of, sorry, I'm just sort of reading the bio, but like analyzing data over their climate change programs. Is that right? Yeah. So how it was working is the World Food Program funds a lot of field work across the world that is experiencing um, hunger issues. So it might be that their crops are less nutrient dense. It might be that their soils are less capable of growing crops. Um, it might be that the weather has changed and they can't grow the same crops or they can't grow any crops or they have no water, things like that. Um, so when these field programs happen, they're collecting data all the time, but someone needs to compile that data and say, what is the cause of all of this? Otherwise, it's kind of, it's kind of pointless if we're mm -hmm. not getting to the root cause. So my, my team's work was to pull the stories out of the data and that's what I got to work on. I got to learn how to do infographics because nobody likes to look at spreadsheets no. <laughs> and figure out what the story is themselves. And I got to see like what some really big problems are in agriculture and to do with climate change. Well, and that's nuts because that would have been 2012, right? And like we're only mm -hmm. hearing about this more and more nowadays, hey? Mm -hmm. So when I was, I feel like I've kind of always been in the climate change bubble, um, just because when you're studying in a degree, you're surrounded by the things you're learning about. But yeah, it's kind of surprising that it's just more and more becoming really mainstream now. And I just hope we actually do something about it, but <laughs> such is Definitely. life. Yeah. <laughs> so like you sort of alluded to, you've had a number of seemingly different roles, like in recruitment, a financial advisor, a relationship coordinator, but you said they're all linked in some way. So what's the link? Mm -hmm. So recently, my last two jobs that have been my longest positions, because they weren't internships or they weren't uh, temporary contracts have especially been linked. So when I moved to Calgary after uh, living in Toronto and just kind of in Toronto, it's hard after you graduate, it's hard to get jobs that pay at all. And if they do, it's like, okay, you're an intern for a couple of years, which is really hard to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. But eventually I came to Calgary to be closer to family. And my friend connected me, we had done student programs in together in uh, university. We had done kind of extracurricular entrepreneurship and business clubs together. So she knew my work ethic. She was comfortable referring me and she worked at Scotiabank. Um, so she's like, hey, I know it's way out of your ballpark or probably out of your interest, but if you do need a job, like let me hook you up. So I took her up on that just because I've never been, like I said, I'm not really a planner. I'm not type A. I'm not tied to me doing any specific role. Um, I like to, I like to learn new things and I like to change and grow. Um, so I took her up on that. I got a job as a financial advisor at Scotiabank. And it was really cool getting to know how other people work with money, how I can help people work with money, how I can help people um, save and 
and invest um, because that's something that I like to do with my own money. So I had a natural passion for sharing these things with customers um, and I really enjoyed my time there. So then after Scotiabank, uh, someone had told me about a a company in Calgary, a software company that uh, was working with charities and nonprofits. And I had done a lot of work in Toronto with nonprofits. I enjoyed that space because, you know, you feel like you're giving back, you feel good about it. Um, And this company works with uh, financial transactions as well. So I was like, hey, it's kind of what I've been doing at the bank and what I did in Toronto. And now it's kind of, yeah, culminated into this job that was the best of both. Um, And my banking experience came in really handy for that role. So just knowing how things work at the bank and how money moves um, was really helpful for, for me ramping up at this new tech company. And it was really cool. It kind of like brought in my passion that I had at the World Food Program, uh, a passion that I've always had for, you know, doing something that feels good um, and that I think is significant for the world. So I felt like, yeah, it was a good combination of all the things that I had done so far. Yeah. So while you were at that last company, you... Mm were dabbling in essential oils uh, in your own time. It sort of started as a hobby. When when did you decide that the olfactory shop was going to come to life as, a, as your full-time thing? So, yeah, I'd been doing, I'd been doing the olfactory shop on the side for a few years at that point. And when a when I decided it could become a real thing is when I had extreme uh, job dissatisfaction. So what had happened is the same thing that has happened to me in all of my previous roles. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Where you think something is broken with you. Um, And I'm talking about this now a little bit more comfortably because before I really did think that something was wrong with me. Like, why can't I just be happy in a job for more than two years or more than, you know, why, why is this just not for me? Why do I keep hitting this wall where it's like, I, I feel like I'm at the end and I can't get my mind around it. And at one point at one of my jobs, I won't say which I had a manager give me what I would say now is the best advice ever. He said, if you want to keep climbing uh, the corporate ladder, you need to stop swimming against the stream. And it was kind of a light bulb moment for me. That was um, when I handed in my resignation shortly after at that job, because I was like, he's right. I guess I got to stop swimming against the stream if I want to be successful here. And it was just, it was kind of one of those pieces of my puzzle that made sense at a later date. Um, but I, I kind of always hit that feeling and I uh, hit that wall. And I think as I've talked to other entrepreneurs like me, they've, they've experienced that too, where something is just in your bones, in your gut is just not the right place for you. And you can't always say why or why not. Um, but it happens and it's up to you if you're going to listen to it or like what decisions you're going to make from there. So I was having extreme dissatisfaction at work and it was to a point where I was experiencing depression in the morning. Mm-hmm. I was, wasn't combing my hair before I went to work. I was just barely putting myself together and getting out the door. I was showing up 
at an unreasonable time. Like I was just slipping and that's not how I like to work, but if you've ever experienced oh, yeah. depression and yeah. yeah, or those bouts, it was probably more anxiety. Um, but you just can't force yourself to, you know, do those things that you normally would do. Um, so that was also a big wake up call. And then I had decided, I think it was a Sunday or a Monday, I was talking to my husband, Andrew, and I was saying, you know, I really just want to see where I can take the olfactory if I committed full-time hours to it, because I've seen what I can do when I commit full-time hours at other jobs, but what would I do with that time if it was given to myself and to my company? And I was just really inspired by that, and I was like, how come I can't drum up this type of motivation and inspiration in my job right now? And so I had decided that week, my husband and I had a really good chat and we decided, yeah, let's give this a shot. Let's do this. Um, so I had decided to go into work and I was ready to give my resignation when the universe dangles a little carrot in front of you and a manager of a team that I was trying to get onto takes me for coffee and offers me a role on her team. So now it's like, well, yesterday <laughs> I had decided I was done and now you know, this new opportunity has come up. So maybe it's not the right time. But we finished our conversation with her telling me that her husband had recently been laid off, but it was a blessing in disguise because now he gets to do this thing that he had always put off. And he turned around and it had been 15 years later and, you know, he didn't do that thing. And I remember my heart felt like it was beating out of my chest and my face probably went really red. And I realized that my fear was staying, not leaving. So the benefits, the salary, all the stability that it was a job, that was no longer safe for me. But the turning around five, 15 years later and realizing that I didn't do this thing that I wanted to do, that was scarier to me. So I just knew that, you know, thank you universe for putting that in front of me so that I, I had that moment of realization and I really knew what my true fear was. And I stuck to my guns and I resigned later that week. I'm hearing so much of like my own story and what you're saying here. <laughs> like to, to be honest, because like, the, all right, so you know this, but earlier this year when I was uh, laid off at the end of my maternity leave, my previous employer was hiring for my old same position. And I was like, oh, you know, I really want to start my business. Like, I just like, I feel like this is a sign from the universe. It's the time to do it. But that job six mm -hmm. figures and I've got kids and it's stability. Mm -hmm. But it was the same thing of like, this will be the biggest regret of my life. Mm -hmm. If I don't do this. Mm -hmm. That's oh. real fear. <laughs> and it's and it, it is interesting. Hey, how like it's that is scarier than the risk of like, uncertain paychecks and uncertain all those things but like mm -hmm. the fear of not trying is almost harder yeah yeah when it gets to a point where it's like you've ignored your intuition for so long that it gets to a point where it's like okay I've made you anxious about coming to work <laughs> I have made your life miserable and hell for six months how long are you going to tolerate this before you just open your eyes and realize like I'm telling you do this other thing yeah so it's it's funny how loud the message has to get yeah 100 <laughs> percent. oh it sounded hitting so close to home okay <laughs> what would you say has been your sort of biggest lesson in business what do you wish you i mean what do you wish you'd known 
a couple years ago? Um, I'm going to start with the latter part of that question. Okay. What I wish that I knew a few years ago is that I am an entrepreneur. I was telling myself stories like, oh, you're not type A, you're not, you know, this go-getter boss babe that you see in the media right now. Um, I just didn't identify with other entrepreneurs that I was seeing. I didn't identify with tech CEOs or, you know, the people that that are out there telling stories. Um, so I had convinced myself that I wasn't really an entrepreneur, whatever that means. Um, and now I see that given, given the space and the time to really operate my own days, I totally am an entrepreneur. And I've always been an entrepreneur at my jobs. Um, so just taking those skills and that drive and the natural curiosity that I have for the things that I do is, you know, it's totally entrepreneurial. And there's no box that entrepreneurs fit in, just like there's no box that a CEO fits in. We're all individuals and we can do things our own way. Um, so just kind of empowering myself a bit more um, earlier on, I think that, you know, wouldn't have hurt. But at the same time, I kind of like the way that things have turned out. So I, no regrets there. Yeah. No, it's it's always a process, right? Exactly. We're taking a quick break from the interview with Mickey because I want to tell you really quickly about Stress Less in 90 Days group coaching. So we literally this coming week are finishing up our first cohort uh, of ladies who have gone through the Stress Less in 90 Days program and their feedback has been absolutely phenomenal. The The change that they are seeing, the the foundational skills that they have built in, in stress reduction, these are skills that are la- going to last them a lifetime. Everyone came to the table with something different different in their life that was causing them stress and anxiety and everyone's leaving with tools that are going to help them in their lives going forward not just with the issue that they were tackling but with all kinds of other challenges because life isn't stressless but you can stress less. Now, I'm very excited to announce that our Stress Less in 90 Days group coaching cohort number two is going to launch in January, January 14th. So if you want to make 2020, the year that you stress less, I highly recommend that you join this cohort. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Again, I'm very excited about it. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, overworked, or overtired, this program is for you. It's 12 weeks of content that are really going to help you significantly reduce your stress. You get group coaching calls. You also get weekly Facebook lives and extra content and a Facebook community to help support you through what you're going through. And it's the support you need to go from being a stress ball to stressing less. We've also incorporated now, uh, we, we listened loud and clear to everyone, we've created a payment plan as well. So you can either pay upfront or you can pay in three installments. So we've tried to make it um, affordable and accessible for absolutely everyone. So like I said, feedback from these programs is absolutely incredible. I highly It's all based on the same principles that we do in one-on-one coaching. And you still get so much value from a group coaching model. If you've never tried it before, I think some people think, well, I don't want to share my dirty laundry 
laundry or air my dirty laundry with other people that I don't know. You're going to get to know your cohort of women very quickly. It is such a safe space and a great environment. And I have uh, had the absolute joy of sitting back on some of the calls and just watching how these women help support each other with ad- advice and experience and, li- and life experience that they can share with one another. Obviously, I like chip in with my coaching advice as well. But uh, these women really have been supporting each other throughout and the change is just incredible. So if you want to be part of cohort two, again, it launches January 14th, but I would snag your spot now because there are limited spots available. And here's the other thing. So far, our plan is only to run it once in 2020. Uh, Amy and I have some sort of scheduling conflicts for 2020. So we're only planning to do it the once thus far. So if you want to take part in group coaching to help you reduce your stress, now is the time. Limited spacing, uh, payment plans available. The link that you can find to access all of this is stresslessladies.com forward slash coaching that shows you all the different programs and information uh, that we have there. And that's where you can sign up. So I really hope that you join us on this journey. I hope that you uh, benefit the way that the women who have taken it so far have benefited from it. And uh, I'm very excited. I think it's just going to get better and better. So without further ado, let's head back into the interview with Mickey. don't know what you don't know until it happens. But it's interesting because you were talking about how coming from financial advising and you have this interest in helping people save and all of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And yet uh, recently in our little mastermind, you have been talking about like the impact that the book You Are a Badass at Making Money has had on you in terms of your money mindset. Mm -hmm. What have been those big takeaways? Yeah, super interesting book. It's probably my favorite book that I've read all year. And yeah. Um, So even though I love helping other people save, and I'm a great saver myself, I really enjoy saving. um, The the double side to that sword is that I have a hard time spending my money, Mm -hmm. which is not helpful for a product-based entrepreneur. <laughs> that is not a great money mindset to have. I mean, it's, I, I don't know, there's probably pros and cons to everything. Um, but I really I picked up this book because, you know, it has an amazing title, you're a badass at making money, like <laughs> any person running a business needs to make money. So I feel like it appealed. Um, and what I got from it was totally unexpected. It became this total um, spiritual awakening for me, <laughs> if I can sound that cheesy, but it really was. I felt the universal energy like channeling my body at one point. Um, and it really just opened my mind to these negative um stories that I had and beliefs that I held around money, like making a lot of money is bad. And I think I picked this up, you know, coming from uh, salt of the earth upbringing, and not really being exposed to people that had a lot of money through my childhood. And then also working in nonprofits where it's like, you have money, you should Mm -hmm. give money to, you know, charity. That's kind of this weird mindset that nonprofits sometimes can get caught up in that like if someone had a lot of money they should give it away to us um and you know just different things that i've been exposed to kind of formed my belief system around money sorry and 
So reading this book really helped me challenge my views on money. It helped me dig to the core of why do I hold this belief that having a lot of money maybe is a bad thing or would make me a bad person. And it really helped me reevaluate and rewrite the beliefs that I that I have on money. So nowadays I'm uh, feeling like, you know what, it's okay to spend money on this thing. And I believe that in a lot of cases, the money that I spend on this will come back to me, maybe double, maybe triple, um, because it's allowing me to work smarter, work harder, get more work in, uh, produce more, sell more, you know, there's a benefit to it. So I'm less afraid of a loss now. I'm I'm more focused on, um, yeah, making making smart choices with my money. And if it didn't turn out, well, then, you know, I won't do that again. But let's move on. Yeah, it's a learning opportunity. It's not, doesn't define you. Totally. And also that just understanding, because I saw this at the bank, I would see people who had really large bank accounts, and then they would go and they would lose it and they would get laid off and then mm-hmm. that money was depleted and then they'd get another job and they'd refill up their bank account. You know, so it kind of taught me like money is not this stationary thing. It comes and goes and it's here. It's here to be with us for a lot of our money is here to be with us for a short time to allow us to live. And then, you know, we make more. Um, so not to be so attached to like the money in the savings account that it's there for a reason. And when that reason comes up in your life, you need to use it. Yeah. yeah. No, I really like that. I've, I've been thinking about money a lot lately myself in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, we live in Alberta, the economy is pretty tight, uh, all of those things. And I, and I do notice that mindset then creeps into business and it's like, hold the phone for a mm-hmm. second. Like <laughs> my business is not equal to this economy. The way I like all those things, you, you really there's a dangerous path in how you integrate what's going on around you into the choices that you make. Sometimes for the right reasons you make those choices and sometimes it does you more harm than good, I think. Definitely. Saving too well can be a harmful thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So back to the old factory shop really quick. What's your vision for it? Where do you want to see it go? Well, I don't know if I've been asked this recently and I've had a lot of, um, clarity on this in the recent months. So I'm really expanding my retail partnerships. So I'm getting into a lot more stores nowadays. I'm focusing on retail partners um, and less so on direct to consumer straight through my website. Um, And that's been really exciting because a I'm more of an introvert. So building one strong relationship with a retailer rather than you know, trying to build hundreds and thousands of relationships through the customers who visit my website has been a really empowering shift for me because I really like deep relationships and connections. So that just makes more sense for me as a business owner that I should be using those skills um, and playing to that strength. Um, And I'm also just you know, something that I got from your badass at making money also is I'm less afraid of dreaming really big. I don't know if you share this, but sometimes I was afraid to imagine myself, you know, making a million dollars because 
you know, I thought like, oh, that's not for me or like that's too much or like I couldn't do it. I'm not the right person for it. Um, And now I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to make that million dollars and I'm going to do it in my way that speaks to, you know, the way that feels right for me. And so, yeah, now I've just got some bigger dreams for it. Now I'd love to see my brand all across Canada. I would love to get into the States and wherever I can um, overseas. I would just really love to build some connections uh, with the right retail shops um, that are really focused on, you know, bringing bringing wellness to people, but in a light way. I don't focus on curing anything from what I put in the bottles Um, but I really am focused on like helping people live a more natural life, uh, but not taking it so seriously. Like I want them to smell something good and not have to worry that, you know, it's causing them harm internally, but also not be worried that like, you know, is this going to cure my headache or is this going to like make my arthritis disappear? Um, because, um, a lot of them won't provide true cures. So, I just, I don't like to mislead people by promises on bottles. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have a lot of fun in life and I want to share that through my brand. Yeah. Well, and to add to what you were saying there in terms of like wanting to put products on your body that like you don't have to worry about. I first mm-hmm. started buying your bug spray this year because I felt so awful putting like this off spray on my kids. I was like, this is like, mm-hmm. I hate to think like what is going into their little poor little systems and all that kind of stuff totally. and it smells great and it works great <laughs> and it made me so happy and oh, that's uh, so sweet. yeah and for anyone <laughs> heading to your website you have to get the boreal blend spray because it just <laughs> like that is the one I think downfall with like for a site like yours that you cannot smell through the web page what these things smell like I know. I'm just like waiting for scratch and stitch screens to be. Yeah. Come on, catch up with me, technology. I'm sure there's someone out there who's working on it. But yeah, and I think that's the great thing about doing a retail partner route is that I want you to be able to pick it up in the shop that's convenient for you. And then once you know what you know and love, um, you can order it from my shop directly. So you don't have to go out on a blistery cold day to buy it or or you totally can if you're if you're feeling that. Just whatever's best for you, I want to be available for. It, it's not minus twenty as we record this. What? <laughs> no, I'm on a beach or something. Yeah, 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 totally fine. Okay, so there's this funny thing that people say out there about like how hard it can be to be married to an entrepreneur, right? Like there's the ups and the downs, and like emotionally, it can be hard to be an entrepreneur as well, right? Like it's a bit of a roller coaster. And yet you and your husband are both entrepreneurs. So I'm (laughs) I'm really curious, like, what are the challenges and what are the positives that both of you being entrepreneurs brings to your relationship? Um, I love it. I love so much that we're both in this because we both really get it. And Andrew's been an entrepreneur entrepreneur for longer than me. So he really gets it. And um, I've been able to learn so much by watching him, you know, build a company in our living room and um, find success in his entrepreneurial ventures. And it's inspiring. I don't know that I would be an entrepreneur today if I had a different partner, because it does, it takes a certain person to understand that, okay, like, you know, I'm saying no to a stable income and like, a, you know, a 
a regular income um, and I'm saying no to benefits right now. And that can be a huge, it, it's just not possible for everyone. Um, and so I'm really lucky to have someone to live with someone who has such a growth mindset. That's like, you need to do this. He was so jazzed when I told him, like, <laughs> I think I need to quit my job. He was so pumped. He was like, finally, oh my gosh. You know, and I don't, I don't know that everyone would get that support from their partner. Um, so I just feel nothing but lucky. Um, it's also great, like at dinner, him and I are both um, similar in that we are not, we're absolutely obsessed with our businesses, <laughs> but we also put family first all the time. So people always ask us, oh, is your dinner chat so boring? Are you guys always talking about work? No, our dinner chat is absolutely not boring. Yes, we're often talking about work, but it's so exciting because we understand, um, you know, how it works to have something be an idea one day and a product the next day. And, oh, what do you think I should do for marketing this specific thing? Or, you know, what type of packaging would really speak to you for this? So I think it's really cool to be eating supper and be learning and growing and dreaming. And, you know, we connect with each other's businesses so deeply um, and we support each other really, really strongly in those ways. So I have absolutely no complaints. It's also made us really strong communicators with one another because we have to obviously be on top of, you know, where, where money is coming from at mm -hmm. certain times. So, you know, we're really open. There are no, um, we just, we can't fall behind. I mean, like, okay, I have this big expense coming up in a few in a few months or whatever, I'm planning for this, you know, so we got to be on top of things. And I think that's a good way to operate. It works for us as a couple. I think that's great. And I, it's, it's, you're so right about the communication being key, but also having that support there, right? Because my husband has a traditional job. But I remember when I kind of talked about, well, how do we feel about this? Like, we've got two kids in day home, me taking this leap. And at first, you know, there was a little hesitation because I think it's mm -hmm. nerve wracking, right? Of like, especially that first month, like, will the income come in kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember my husband saying, like, I believe in you. And he's like, um, I, I know you'll make this happen. Or you like, he's like, I know you'll figure it out. That is so sweet. I'm a huge fan of rom comedies. And I just, I just did my cheesy like, oh. Yeah. When you said, like, <laughs> I believe in you. Yes, he does. That's amazing. I he, love it. He would think it hilarious that he was compared <laughs> to a romantic comedy. But, like, but he did. And, like, you know, some months mm -hmm. aren't as flush as others. But, like, we're paying our bills. And, that's it. and like, mm -hmm. he said to me the other day, he's like, this is, like, the happiest you've been. And I've got more flexibility than I've ever had for, like, when my kids get sick or anything like that like totally whereas his job is not as flexible on that front so it almost like I, I do feel this is just my little rant but I feel like traditional jobs are not set up for parents they just no. like the working world it works against anyone who wants to have any flexibility for their family totally and now with all the like early outs on Fridays I don't know how um, families with two traditional Jobs are managing all the PD days. It's much heavier than when I was in school. And that's something as Andrew and I, you know, plan our future. Like it, it's just not as big of a concern in our household because one of us, well, me, because I work from home, yeah. <laughs> is is going to have that flexibility 
Um, and not to say that it's still not very challenging, but um, it's just not as as heavy of a concern when we have to take sick days. Yeah. And I like being like around more for my kids and that kind of thing. Like it's, and I just remember like, I mean, we only had the one child when I was in a more traditional role, but like the amount of scheduling of like, okay, you'll do pickup on this day and I'll do pickup on that day. And then if, if they get sick today, it's on you. If they get sick today, it's on me. Like that, <laughs> that pressure has really been taken off for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. And then we figure it out and I'm yeah, I kind of feel like I'm unemployable, but I probably shouldn't say that. Anywho. No, that is the best thing. I had this conversation with some of my other entrepreneur friends. Actually, it was in when we were going through ATBX together. One of our groups was saying we should name ourselves the, the Unemployables. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we've all had that moment at a job where we're like, we suck at like being managed, having someone else control our time you know, like having a calendar full of meetings, like just not for us. So it's totally true. If you're unemployable, maybe you're really an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would always get to the, like, I always, I kept getting these roles or these jobs where I was like, this is the dream job. This is the dream thing. Yeah. And it just never turned out that way. And I think like you, I was like, something is wrong with me. Anyone else would be happy with this. Anyone else would be whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, then like when you get to the realization that like, no, no, it's okay. This is just not for me. Something yes. else is for me more than anything yeah. else. Something else will make me, okay, I'll be brutally honest, bookkeeping for my business will never make me excited. But other parts, the majority of the other parts of my business will, right? Yeah, totally. Okay, so I'm going to move into the final five questions that I ask all of my guests. So the first question, and we might have touched on this already, uh, but personal, professional, otherwise, what are the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way? Creating new products. So I get ideas often in my sleep and I'll wake up and I'm like, okay, I got to try this out. And some of them don't work and some of them do. So I love product development. I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs in the consumer product good space really love that part of their job and one part one project I guess I don't know if it's a project but one part of my job that really I have fallen in love with and I am so surprised about is sales I love meeting shops and working on them with my products I always thought that I would be so terrible at it. Um, but people are right when they say like, if you really love something and you really know something so deeply, then it's not really selling. You're yeah. just sharing it. And that's absolutely how I feel. I love sharing. And I think that that's what sales has become for me. And I also really love providing customer service. That's something in my jobs that I would always take really seriously. Even in high school when I worked at Le Chateau, it was like, I took that place <laughs> seriously. And that's why I worked at Le Chateau because they take their customer service seriously. Um, or they did back then. It was really heavy training around it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I love that part, like making sure that someone is taken care of from start to finish. And then afterward, even that really lights me up. And I feel like that's what sales is to me. I'm, I'm going into shops and I'm willing to provide them like awesome customer service. And that feels really good. I can go to bed at night being like, you did a good job today, Mickey. Yeah. Well, for I never sure. say that to myself, but just. I totally get it. I totally get it. <laughs> uh, 
I, well, I feel like I know the answer to this. What's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few years? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You are a badass at making money. You are correct. <laughs> um, that book needs to be read by everyone. It is so, and do the homework. Don't just read it, yeah. but take, take a couple months to read it and do the homework at the end of every chapter. Um, and then it's one of those things where it's like, why didn't somebody tell me this? But it's there. It's in a book. Someone is telling you it. I, I'm glad you've said this because like I read You Are a Badass and it didn't super resonate with me, but I do keep hearing such different feedback about You're a Badass at Making Money. So it is definitely on my to be read list. So thank you for encouraging me. I, you, Well, I'm a stress reduction coach. You know, we love talking about stress. What still stresses you out and what are your go-to strategies for handling stress? Let me see. What stresses me out? This is something that you talked about in one of your podcasts in September that like one of the most common things that women are stressed out about is overwhelm. And I would say that stresses me out. Um, but I learned some tools on how to deal with that from you're a badass at making money. Mm -hmm. So what really works for me when I have overwhelm is that I pull out a notepad and I write down exactly what is overwhelming me. So if it's emails, well, which emails are overwhelming me because when you look at it okay you look at your inbox and it stresses you out because it looks like there's a million emails but really when you cut through the crap and you just look at what you really need to respond to it's like okay three or four urgent emails mm -hmm. doable not overwhelming and then you look at the next task that's overwhelming you doable not actually overwhelming like it's it's this huge mountain in your head but really it's like a molehill or even less. It's like a sidewalk in reality. Yeah. Getting super clear on the the crux of these things is really important for sure. Totally. What is the best life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given? Life lesson that I've learned um, was to prototype your life. I love the empowering mindset of you are in control of your life Life isn't something that just happens to you, but you are the driver of that car. Um, so I really love this type of thinking. And a few years ago, I was on YouTube and it was, I had started the old factory shop kind of, but it didn't have a logo. It didn't have a brand, didn't have a name or a website, but I had been doing it as gifts for friends and family. And I came across this YouTube video. It's from the University of Stanford. They do, they have a college of design thinking and they do a couple webinars online. There was three webinars about design thinking. Like what is design thinking? How do you apply it to your life instead of just products? Um, and then I can't remember the third one, but it's on the internet. Okay. Um, so I watched these um, webinars and I learned about prototyping what does it mean how do you apply it to a human life and I really just have made that a part of um, my life it's how I've been able to design my dream life it's how I'm able to you know like really live the life that I want to live um, so I encourage everyone to look up about prototyping and design thinking so in a nutshell is it kind of like try something out if if it works takes what take what works leave what doesn't and try again kind of thing yes that's a perfect way to describe it for me when i watched the webinars it was like okay if you have an idea for your life 
draft out three different ways you can achieve it. So for me, I had an idea that I wanted to um, create natural fragrances. So I could, I could shadow someone who's already doing it and see if I like it for a weekend. I learned about Shopify. So it's like, oh, I could pretty easily build a website and see, you know, if I can generate a few sales through that. Or I could rent a table at a market and try and sell a couple of products that I made. Um, so for me, I decided what's the thing I can do at home. It's build a website. So I decided to do the Shopify route and I prototyped that. Um, and for me, that route worked. But if I would have started with, you know, spending a weekend with someone who's doing something similar, I would have been able to see like, oh, do I like what they're doing nine to five? Um, do I like the extra work that they have to do? Do I like the, is it enough people interaction? Is it too much people interaction? You know, and then go to plan B um, if that prototype didn't work. Yeah, I really like that. And it's, I, I also love when things tie back to the title of the podcast because it's about, <laughs> it's about trying things, right? Like Yay. if it doesn't work, try again, try something different, but always try. Never, totally. um, never just leave those ideas on the shelf. Yeah, never. And the final question, Mickey, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? For me, living my best life is taking care of myself that means for me personally it's making sure that I have everything I need to be healthy in a day um, is taking care of my family so um, being there emotionally and being a supportive wife um, and you know making sure that my dog gets lots of walks and is happy and it's also just uh, staying true to myself I've always had very strong um intuition since I was a child and just being able to finally listen to that and follow that has meant a lot to me personally just the freedom to live the life that I feel I was meant to live yeah um, yeah I hope that answered I love it well thank you so much Mickey <laughs> for coming on the podcast thanks for having me I loved it <laughs>